0: Abolition. Abolition. Abolition.
1: So, this is what Freedom Fest is about. What you guys are going to do, if you have a loved one that's incarcerated with a wrongful conviction, an unfair sentence, I don't care if they're guilty as shit and they're being treated like animals, whatever you feel is wrong with their incarceration, we're asking that you come to Atlanta, Georgia, July 2nd. Um, The event is going to be at Grant Park, and it's going to be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., you can wear t-shirts and free your loved one. You can put up a small banner. You can put a little table up with information on them. You can pass out pamphlets. It's you getting your information out about your loved one. Oh, and the very last thing is the documentary. So there's a few organizations coming that do documentaries, And what you're going to be able to do is tell your story on their documentary. Um, You can talk to all of them if you want. If if you see one that's available and you want to go and tell your loved one's story, that's fine. We're all trying to get your message out. On top of that, we want as many people to show up as possible so we can show the government that we're sick and tired. We want as many people out there as possible so we can start our movement and show the government that it's time to do something about criminal justice reform. We don't want to hear during this election season the criminal justice system needs reform because we have been hearing that for long and y'all ain't changing shit. So, this is our way of making a statement so i know that got long-winded i'm all over the place i have to go into whole foods and make me a salad because i'm hungry 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 my freedom my freedom my freedom, my freedom, my
2: freedom fest You want love freedom no need to get i do what i want so don't even step. don't you impede in my freedom my freedom my freedom my freedom my freedom fest you love freedom, no need to guess. I do what I want, so don't even step. Don't you impede in my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my freedom. The eagle is screaming, the liberty bell, now you hearing it ringing. My people, my people, we throw it up, feel and Listen, I am the legacy of Apollo 3. American, American, black, now you see it. All over my jacket, it's even you eat it. The ammo, the ammo, I only need three in the mohawk. The I'm for troopers who bleed. Freedom Fest. You want love freedom, no need to guess. I do what I want, so don't even step. Don't you impede in my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my Freedom Fest. You I love freedom, don't need a gap. I do what I want so don't need a step. Don't in my freedom, hey, my freedom, my freedom, the choosing, the duties, the doesn't mean that you supporting the war. Supporting the freedoms that they fighting for doesn't mean that you supporting the gore. Supporting the country I live in and loving it doesn't mean blindly supporting the government. The world that we live in is and Turn off the media. We should be the Freedom fest. Do I love freedom? No need to guess. I do what I want, so don't even step. Don't you impede in my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my. Hey. Freedom fest. Do I love freedom, don't need a guess. I do what I want, so don't even step. Don't you impede in my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my freedom fest. Do I love freedom? Don't need to guess. I do what I want, so don't even step. Don't you impede in my freedom, my freedom, my freedom, my
3: Abolition. abolition, today. Today. today.
0: today. Hold on for a second, fam. I got you covered. You just heard tonight's guest. Demita Bishop, describing Freedom Fest, which is coming up on July 2nd at Grant Park in Atlanta, Georgia. That was followed by the marine rapper, Freedom Fest, featuring High Res, Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Max Parthas. Brother Yusuf Hassan will not be joining us tonight. He's currently out saving the world and will return on our next episode after the world has been saved, of course. Last week on Juneteenth, we broadcasted live from the birthplace of the slavery exception clause, the granddaddy of all exception clauses everywhere. Vermont. It was one of our most popular episodes ever. This week is about Freedom Fest 2022, which kicks off at Grant Park, as I said, in Atlanta, Georgia, on July 2nd. I'll be joined by the activist, slavery abolitionist, and creator of Freedom Fest, Demita Bishop. Demita is also the founder of FAIR, which is Fighting Against Institutional Railroading. We'll have some post-Juneteenth discussion. We'll cover the historic news happening in the abolitionist movement and drop a dime on the sneaky-ass politicians in California who just voted to keep slavery legal in the largest carceral plantation state on earth. Man, it's been a heck of a week. I know I'm gonna be missing Brother Yusuf today. uh, we usually bounce him back and forth. So let me do a quick recap uh on what's happened in the past week since we last spoke uh Of course, we had our Juneteenth event, which you heard one of them uh when we were in Vermont. but we had them all across the country. We we're involved in so many different ways in getting the word out uh as I said last week. This was the first time I felt like we didn't take two steps backwards during Juneteenth. We put up a billboard in Galveston, Texas from N the Exception with Team 22, 1922, and 2022 images on each of inmates laboring in convict lease systems. Uh, so that happened right there in Galveston, Texas. We also, uh, our federal uh, partners put up uh I guess they call them the digital billboards that go on the buses in Washington, D.C. So when you see these buses driving around, periodically you'll see the In the Exception uh, billboard right there on the buses. Uh, we were involved in also a full-page ad in the Los Angeles Times. And, of course, California went to their last hearing uh, just this past Thursday. And let me tell you something. Under the cover of the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade. And after all of these hearings we had been through in California where it passed unanimously, they decided suddenly that they were pro-slavery and started coming out, arguing about how they wanted to keep this slavery exception clause in their constitution and forced us to go to Plan B mode because it failed. I'll tell you more about Plan B mode later and we'll listen to some of these pro-slavery conversations. Uh, then, of course, the ACLU had just released the 154-page report on captive labor and exploitation of prisoners. Um, so we met with them during this emergency mode regarding California. I believe they put out a statement recently as well uh, because uh, their number one key recommendation is to remove these exception clauses for uh, slavery and involuntary servitude from constitutions nationwide and federally. So they were right on top of that. Uh, If that's what they're trying to achieve, that's what they needed to do, make sure that they're supporting what uh, what California is doing with ACA 3 and removing that exception clause. And then also during Juneteenth, we saw the NAACP Legal Defense Fund put out a report of their own, much shorter, of course, but they were in uh, in complete Agreement and of one accord with what the ACLU had just put out, um, and during this time, it was, you know, I got to talk to some friends of ours who you've heard on this broadcast before, but we had to reach out to all our all of our hyperlinks, people that know people, you know what I mean, uh, to get them to help uh, support what AC what they're doing in California because they asked for a uh, another hearing and they received it another hearing to try to get this passed. And the hearing's going to happen either Monday tomorrow or this coming Thursday. And if it fails then California is not going on the ballot for 2022. So I called uh I called Sister or Dr. Joy James and I called Sister Tina Wyatt, who is the great 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 grandniece of Harriet Tubman among others. And they've all been reaching out to their friends as well as making statements of their own and support. So if you uh, can do that for us, we, we would appreciate it. And I mean you, the, the listeners, uh, just tweet out using the hashtag ACA3 on your Senate to pass ACA3. Uh, if you could tweet that out, I would appreciate it. If you got some superstar friends that could make an impact, please tell them to do the same thing. All right. With that being said, I'm going to bring in tonight's guest. Uh, Demita Bishop, I am opening up your mic right now, the founder of FAIR and the creator of Freedom Fest this July 2nd. Demita, are you with me?
1: I am with you. Hey, Max, how are you?
0: <laughs> hey, sister. Welcome to Abolition Today. Uh, glad to hear Thank you. you for uh, it's me. always a pleasure. You even uh, testified to some of these bills. I think you did it for California, right?
1: Yeah, um, I did it for California and for Vermont with you.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a a little bit about yourself and what's happening coming July second.
1: Well, um, you did a great job telling them about me. I was impressed (laughs) with what you said. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But but yes, I am the. Well, I'm actually the co-founder, but the CEO of Fair, which stands for Fighting Against Institutionalized Railroading, and it was actually created by a brother named Mangwiro Sidiki Israel. And um, somewhere between 2016 and 2018, I picked it up in 2019, and he gave me full control in 2020. But um, it was actually created to to be a watchdog organization where people sat in the courtrooms and made sure that people were not getting railroaded. But I decided to take it a a step further and actually help people who have to use a, a public defender fight their case themselves so in reality if you call me and you have a public defender it's really me and maybe 15 public def- um prison paralegals or jailhouse lawyers that's actually working your case and we have actual it's a beautiful thing to see like we actually get on the phone with each um group group messages and J-Pay and corelink and we argue laws and argue who's right about how we're interpreting it and we've had some very good outcomes of it the only thing is When it comes to helping my own people, they're too afraid to speak up for themselves. But when we help, you know, our counterparts, they get a great outcome because they're not scared to go in the courtroom and and do whatever we tell them to do. And that's what I'm trying to change. Um, I also do advocate for people who are in the prison system.
0: Before you go further, can I ask a quick question? You're saying that basically you had, uh, like, watch a cop put in court.
1: Kind of it's we're act that's what Monguero wanted to be, and that's a lot of why we fell out, but because I actually started looking up laws and um I took the organization a step further than what he wanted. He just wanted us to me to get all my friends and we fled the courtroom and just sit there, take notes, and write down if a person was being railroaded well, to know that they're being railroaded, you have to know the law, so I had to learn the law. And, uh, and the people who are already in prison, who have already been victimized, started teach. First, they started teaching me, and then eventually, um, one of my cases, Matthew Baker Jr., his his attorneys called me out. They said, "Well, she didn't do nothing but Google that law." And so, from that moment on, when we got stimulus checks, I took my stimulus check and I bought a law book for every state that had a person that I was assisting, and a federal law book, constitutional law book, and how to how to put together case law. And from there. I've been a threat. <laughs> so thank you, God, for blessing me with the knowledge and blessing my, excuse me, my tutors who are incarcerated with helping me understand. And these are lifers who I pray one day we can get from up out of these sentences.
0: Wow. Um, that's some superhero stuff right there we're talking about, you know. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't even think about doing something like that. And it takes special people to stand up for those around them. Um, Now, what about Freedom Fest coming up? Uh, We got a short description in the beginning in the video. Did that basically cover it? Is there any more uh, that you're going to add to it? I know one of the things I didn't mention is that myself and Tribal Rain will be there uh, as speakers Yeah, that's the
1: most important part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, let me back up because you should have – I wish that – you could see me practicing on how I was going to ask you to come be a part of it. (laughs) I must've practiced three times and you were so easy and nice. I was, I was like, he's going to come. Oh my God. So thank you for that. But, um, I think you did cover everything. So basically what's going to happen is families are meeting at Grant Park and they're going to have on t-shirts. They're going to put signs up and they're going to come and advocate for their loved ones. Um, and then, people that have organizations are going to set up tables, tell them what their organizations do to assist people that are incarcerated or assist the public in having knowledge of the laws. Um, we have a few people like yourself and Shawana Vaughn who have been like frontliners on getting laws changed. Um, so I'm thankful to have both of you coming. She's coming from New York. Um, we have death row advocate. We have survivors of death row people who beat it and are home now with their families um, like Mr. Seth Canaver. So it's, it, it, I'm blessed. The lineup is beautiful and I'm so blessed that all of you blessed me with coming. I mean, I, I can't believe it. Like it, I, I was looking right in down the itinerary with the DJ and um one of the guys filming the documentary and I couldn't believe the lineup. It was just like, Oh my God, this is a very good lineup. Um. The good news is um, uh, one of the politicians sat down and did the press release for me today because mine sucked. And every news network is interested in this event, so it's going to have a lot of coverage. So I- I'm blessed. I'm, I'm not. I'm. Uh, I'm thankful that it's turning out. I'm a fan
0: of giving the families of the incarcerated a chance to speak up for their their family members. There's so many of us. You know, I tend to go to events, and I'll ask a question when I get in there. How many of you are slavery abolitionists right off the bat? I'll also ask a question, like, uh, how many of you have a loved one or family member, close family member, who's in prison or jail right now? And it depends on where I go. Like, if I go to a community where it's mostly white, very few hands will go up. But if I go to a black community, most every hand goes up. We all got somebody in prison with all been affected by this one way or another. And it's not about good or bad at this point, because the majority of people who are in prisons or jail are not there for violent crimes. In, what was it, 2017, the report came out saying that uh, there were more people who had been arrested for personal possession of marijuana than there were for all violent crimes combined in the entire country. Uh, So there's so many ways that they snatch this up left and right, and it ruins families and communities you know, especially if it's a breadwinner.
1: It, it just, does, uh, and even, I mean, and I'm glad you mentioned those um those drug laws, those drug cases, because right now in the federal court, Congress passed the one-to-one ratio, which is huge if the Senate will come on and sign their part. That means we can go all the way back to the 80s and 90s and get some of those lifers back home to their families. And, but they're sitting on it because there's so many of it, and they always make the excuse that, if we go ahead and pass this, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people are gonna go back home and our courts don't have the money to get these people back in court. But yet you found money to give to Ukraine. So 50 <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: Exactly. Yeah, right. it, to get a person back in court is an average. I know right here in Georgia to pay everybody in the courtroom for the day can be anywhere from three to ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So if you multiply that by all the wrongful convictions in the federal court, well, we only have like one federal court. Uh, we have one federal prison in Georgia. That's not a lot of people in our state that's going to get a chance. So it's not going to flood your, you know, dam- damage your economy by giving these people a chance to go home. Um, and then again, on the 924C stacking laws, they didn't make it retroactive because they admit in the legislature that black men <clears throat> were received the wrong, they were being unjustly stacked. They were supposed to give them 25 to 30 years for the charge and then five years for each additional, like each gun charge or each drug charge. They did that for the women and the white men, but for the black black and brown community, they multiplied 25 or 30 times however many charges mm. they had. So that's how you get these people in federal government and in, in federal prisons with like 90 to 1,000 years in prison, and nobody died. <laughs> they didn't kill that's anybody. How. They just had to – right. That's how, uh, but they
0: won't they, make it retroactive. They ain't their big guns at black men in particular. And as a matter of fact, Please. I believe I got one on the line that wants to uh, join into the conversation real quick. Is that you, Curtis?
4: This is me, sir. How are you?
0: Brother Curtis Davis, uh, who spent 25 years in Angola prison, wrongfully convicted, then got out and started changing laws and uh going to the Supreme Court and helping to uh, remove uh, unconstitutional 10 to juries. Uh, welcome back to Abolition Today, brother. All
4: right. Thank you for having me. And I wanted to say this to the sister, that um, retroactivity is never going to be given. We have to actually make them do it. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Exactly. We,
4: right. So we apply pressure, Right. Um, right. I wanted to speak on the ACA situation in California because I'm in Louisiana and Louisiana and California have uh, a bond because this is our migration track for African Americans Jeff Crow, Louisiana, right. So, um Louisiana fought against us on slavery abolition because of tradition and heritage. They believe that it's not a money issue, even though it's a major multi-billion-dollar money issue. They don't mm-hmm. care about the money. What they care about is keeping us in our traditional cast system. Like, right. You know, you black. You know, you're supposed to do what black people do: tap dance, beat drums in the Congo Square, and you know, entertain our tourists or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the Republican Party here. Um, under the advice of Max Partis, I was able to work with the Republican Party, and they passed our bills unanimously in both the House and the Senate. What's bothering me is the Democratic Party in California that's supposed to be the most liberal state, progressive, showing us what we're supposed to do, does not want to see our people free. And yeah. if you want change in Georgia, start calling them on it because they could help. But as long as you know we're giving them our vote for free, as long as we're supporting them, no matter what the agenda is, then they're never gonna let our people, marginalized people, black people, or poor white people out of the perpetual um, welfare situation. And prison is a form of welfare because mass incarceration is. is created by them.
1: Exactly. And I agree with you 100% on Georgia, especially what, um, what Shawana told me when I called her and complained about it. Skin folk, or kin folk, or skin folk, and already always kin folk. I don't remember how she said it, but a lot of our democratic power is our own people, and they would rather throw throw us away just to keep the powerful seats that they have, instead of doing what they're promising or lying to us about every election year. And they already don't like me because I do call them out on it. And I'm like, you know, if you're not going to do right by your citizens, there's, you know, I'm growing a slow following in my own state. <laughs> my word means a lot to the people. If I tell them that you are part of the problem, they're going to believe me. So either you you fix this or get ready to start getting, giving up some of these seats to people who are going to do right by the people. And I encourage, like, my citizens here in Atlanta and, the rest of the state to make sure you fully understand what you're voting for and how to vote because you you run to the president and want to march to DC every time there's a problem everything isn't the president's problem everything is not the government the governor's problem sometimes you need to talk to your council people or your mayor your alderman your assembly person your solicitor so when they have these voting rights events like I told you max I love the way you educate them on exactly how to vote in each person's role But most of the time, I'm not seeing that in a lot of these events. They're just, you know, they're trying to keep the black man out of office, but they're not fully explaining these roles and why you need to vote for them.
0: I know that earlier, uh, when you was mentioning about the 10K, three to 10K costs just for the people in the courts there, uh, it's one of the reasons, actually, it's a connection that Georgia has with California. California was doing fine with their bill until the Department of Finance issued a report just before Juneteenth that said, if we have to pay inmates minimum wage, it's going to cost $1.9 billion uh, towards the state of California. Now, first of all, I'd like to point out that they had just got a 97.5 billion dollar surplus in the state of California. More money than they ever had in the state of right. California from their rich taxes. So I don't see why they're sweating that. Secondly, it wasn't about labor, it was about removing slavery and involuntary exception clauses from their constitution. Had nothing to do with labor at all. There's a bill on the table for labor with another senator they ain't got nothing to do with us we just don't want slavery to be legal so for them it's an economic development program just like it is in Georgia just like it is in other states these are job creators the more prisons you got the more inmates you got the more jobs you got rolling in and it's creating all this wealth and it's not wealth for us it's stealing our lives and our wealth by doing this, by criminalizing our communities and creating jobs on our backs and blood.
1: Uh, Demetri- Let me explain to you. You do know that minimum wage in Georgia is still seven dollars, when the average <laughs> rent is is seven dollars. I think seven fifty or something like that. But the average rent in Georgia it starts at like sixteen hundred dollars. So what can you? They're, they're creating criminals. You want to know why the violence is up? Because when you get released from prison, you can only get one of these jobs. And then even right. Taco Bell and McDonald's, they brag about, we are going to pay you $10 an hour. $10 an hour, is not after you tax me, is not going to even cover my living expenses. So I'm going to sell drugs or I'm going to walk the, the prostitution stroll or I'm going to hit somebody over the head and take from them because my family is hungry. And, you know, like the county I live in, Cobb County, is trying to cut back on all, like, anything government assistance. So we, we're pushing Section 8 out, and this is one of the best school districts in the state. So if you, if you lose your Section 8, your kid can't get this education. they got to go to a poor community in Fulton or DeKalb or Clayton, who is barely getting enough to read and write. So it, it's not just in the prisons that they're doing this. It starts outside the prison. They're building up communities to commit crime. To commit crime. And then they're saying you're lazy and you don't want to work. What can I do with ten dollars an hour? What can I do with eleven dollars an hour? Nothing. That's why we don't want to come to your job.
4: I I really I wanna say this to you, sister, because you're absolutely right. The reason that it's so important to take the slavery exception clause out of these constitutions and the federal constitution is because our founding fathers were not dumb men. They put um, binary coding inside of the, um, the laws and the policies exactly. across the United States to make okay. sure that this is not just about prison. That slavery exception clause actually affects the workforce in whatever state mm-hmm. you're in. Um, when, you, um, when you work and you get hurt on the job, you have to go through a, a form of law that's called the master-servant relationship. And it's also bound up inside of this slavery exception clause. The reason that we even have an electoral college is to make sure that the black population couldn't actually choose a president. It's a fail-safe system. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) So look to these binary coding in this law, and that's where you rip it up at. And you hold these people accountable. Do not vote because you're Democrat. Do not vote because you're independent. Do not vote because exactly. you're Republican. Vote based
1: on your agenda. Exactly. We do that, we win. We win. You're, you're 100% right. And I'm, oh. I'm glad you brought that up about the binary code because a lot of – I had to learn that to learn how to apply the law and tear away the law from certain people. So – I had a brother in um, Talladega Federal Prison that sat me down one day and spent two hours explaining the coding, the um, Georgia 0CGA and all that to me and showing me exactly how to break it down and look at the wording and all that in these laws when when I'm trying to help a brother or sister come up out of a possible wrongful conviction or unfair sentence.
4: Family, I'm about to speak um, in front of the courthouse here in Shreveport. Uh, We have a a lady that got convicted. She was pregnant. Her sister had a fight. Um, They stabbed her. She went to the car and got a gun, and she got a life sentence as a result of it. So we're trying to get her home. I'm the next speaker. Thank you for having me on. Sister, you are strong, man. You have our back. I mean, I have your back. Tell Max what you need to do, and we'll be in Atlanta for you.
1: Thank you. Um, And same here. you Max, whenever he calls, I come because I I love the way he works. So same here. You guys need me. Let me know, and I'm coming.
0: All right. Yes, ma'am. Curtis. So with that being said, um, I want to make a statement, and then we're going to play a quick track, all right? Um, The statement is this is a crucial time in world history, Uh, not just American history, but world history. There's so much going on from – potential nuclear wars to potential civil wars. And we are in a moment in time where we're fulfilling the dreams of our ancestors to finally end slavery in this country for the very first time. And it's time to stand up. You you can make a difference right now with just a tweet, hashtagging your support for ACA3. You can go down to Grant Park for Freedom Fest on July 2nd and Uh, Testify for your loved ones Or for yourself um, And speak truth to power So with that being said I want to play a track That gives you a little taste Of what you're going to hear From Max Parker's down At Freedom Fest In Atlanta, Georgia July 2nd You're listening to Abolition Today AbolitionToday.org I'm joined tonight By Sister Demita Bishop And we'll be right back After this Abolition Abolition Why are you sleeping Why are you sleeping
5: Why are you sleeping Get up, get up, get
1: up, and pray that you do not fall into temptation. Pray,
5: to temptation.
6: But this is your hour to act, when the power of darkness rules. <laughs> 30 little pieces got my people's minds blown,
7: 30 little pieces for the heat that was blown. silver pieces in a traitor's hand, with part of the pattern and all in the plan, I said Judas couldn't do this without the permission of the father, so if you think you got the price to pay for my poetic soul, you're wrong, so don't even you see, I don't entertain for fame, or to obtain acclaim, I stand before you as a beacon of light to expose the game, and for those that claim they have my best interest in heart, you motherfuckers never had
0: people while moving in stealth, it don't take a six cent to know that 6% owns 60% of the entire world's wealth, and the world's health is like an open festering wound with children dying all over of age, poverty, and starvation, while some nations' exclamations are of an unprecedented boom, double string it up and back up and give me room, cause about Extortion done to standard practice. The fact is we, the people, take it. Then we cry about the man when we can't make it. We're naked and ignorant as the day we were born. your place to make steps. And if you're thinking that you're a mean shit, I got some news for you. You're next. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't we all in the same sphere? So if it's being done to them over there, it's also touching us over here. Being aware, being aware, being aware can be a curse. When there's so few, who truly see that what is happening to you is also happening to me. It just happens to be the price we pay to live alive. And it's still amazes me to see what 30 Silver Pieces continues to buy. It's those 30 Silver Pieces that got my people's mind blown. 30 Silver Pieces on the seeds that were sown. 30 Silver Pieces stole my piece of peace. 30 Silver Pieces paid in full to the beast. that was thirty silver pieces featuring Max Parthus, King of Mean and The Dupper. Uh what'd you think of that, Demeter? Back on. sorry about that.
1: No, you're you okay. Go. Um, I loved it. I was um going through your little out al- your album that you um tagged me in when you sent to the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you and you and Queen Re- tribal reign, y'all are amazing, I swear.
0: Uh, you know, that's what, where I started at with spoken word and poetry. And, you know, I was never big on, like, really love poetry and stuff like that. I always wanted to feed my mind, understand, and then put it out so other people could understand. And uh, yeah. over the years, I found something worth dying for, <laughs> you know? Oh,
1: yeah. You found your, yeah. you found it. That's... <laughs> yeah. So let mm-hmm. me ask you a
0: question about your work, Um does the Sixth Amendment come into play often with what you do?
1: It's, it's very important, and people don't truly understand how important it is. And there was a couple of cases that I had that had been sitting in the county jail for goodness um, months. And what I did is wrote them had I wrote them a letter, and I told them to write this letter out and notarize it and it basically was saying something like my name is Demita Bishop I have currently been held in Cobb County Jail for now eight months Um, the Constitution of the United States says I have the right to fair counsel I have a right to um, see what you have on me I have a right to do process but as I'm telling the rights I break down in each section what they've done to violate it and in both situations they came in and gave them a letter saying um, we're going to have a hearing, an uh, emergency hearing since you feel that you're being unlawfully incarcerated. Um, you have a right to a fair trial. You have a right to see everything they have against you. You have a right to cross-examine your witnesses. You, ha- you have a right to see the discovery, to be indicted by a grand jury. And if you're just sitting in a jail and they're failing to show you this, they're unlawfully holding you. So it is very important that you know the, the, what the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, Uh, And um, what, the eighth one? I I got my Mm -hmm. numbers off, but it's important that you know them because it's the eighth. It's important that you know them so that you know how you're being violated. And the most important thing is to shut up. Just don't talk. (laughs) Because if they got you, they got you.
0: We find that whenever there is a crime against humanity occurring, like slavery Mm -hmm. and genocide, in a nation that has a constitution – One of the first things you'll see is that those constitutional rights are being violated uh, just across the board to the point where sometimes they don't even exist anymore for particular groups. Uh, The Sixth Amendment is one of those. So it guarantees you to a right to a fair and speedy trial by a jury of Mm -hmm. your peers, right? But we know there's people all over this country sitting in jails for two, three, four, as many as 10 years Right now, there's a man sitting in jail in Rikers Island, uh, Doctor Stewart, also known as Alpha Top. He's going on four years in Rikers Island for stealing a freaking pack of Newports from a drug dealer. Four years, right now. He's been even been on our program before, and he's just one example. So, for remember the
1: guy, ago, I, the guy I the guy sent yeah, you ahead. the article on Matt. Um, I don't know if you remember when I sent you the article to read. On Matthew Baker Jr., he's on. He's going on year six, and six. He, he is facing. A, he's facing the death penalty, but the key to his defense is the person that actually kills the people. And he is. And, and the sad thing about it is, this man has wrote the news, wrote the judge. Wrote, they didn't even know each other, but they have him as an accessory. Now I must briefly tell that case. Matthew went to a bonfire in Henry County, Georgia in a city in Henry County that's mostly white. He's biracial. His mother's white, father's black. So he went to this party with his white friends. He was in the back seat of the car. I have a couple of cases, post-conviction cases, where the driver of the vehicle got hit with accessory law. Well, the driver of the vehicle Matthew was in is a white girl. She didn't get hit with the accessory law. The shooter didn't even call the driver of the vehicle. He called the passenger, who was another young white girl, and said, come get me. Now, he didn't say what was going on, but they didn't punish neither one of those two. But if they were black, both of those would be sitting right with Matthew. Matthew was in the back seat of the car. Jacob said, tell Matthew to come to the door. And when Matthew got to the door, Jacob had already killed two and was finishing the other two off. Didn't even enter the house. And Jacob said this in his testimony that Matthew didn't, he just told Matthew to come because he felt like if he, if he was about to fight, Matthew can help him fight because he was the bo- he was a boy, he was a man. But Jacob took law, Madison to his own hand and decided to execute the people. And now he's he's got four life sentences, but they want to give Matthew the death penalty. And even though he didn't have gunpowder on him, that shows he was close enough to Jacob when Jacob was doing the killing. His fingerprints didn't touch the gun. He didn't have any blood or gunpowder on his skin or clothing. He's on years. He, October will be the sixth year that he's been sitting waiting on them to determine the fate of his life.
0: Six years.
1: That is
0: unconstitutional. From what I understand, you're supposed to have about a year at the most before you get a trial. Yeah. And those are in extenuating circumstances. But nonetheless, here we are talking about people with six years in jail without even getting a trial. You were already being punished before you've been convicted. (laughs) And oftentimes in these jails, they make you work there too. They even have programs like through CARE, uh, which puts people on chicken farms. where you work on chicken farms for free, Uh, there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of programs that they use to exploit the inmates. And the cost of housing people in jails is more than it is in prisons. In Rikers Island, it's $556,000 a year to incarcerate a single individual in a place where 95% Of the inmates are black Like New York is 95% black Right that's not how how it is So why is it 95% black At Rikers Island Right So it's all part of the economic development program Uh, You want to make a comment
1: Yes I do People need to understand that when you have to when you're like me cuz I, I don't have enough to a trial attorney on a state level starts at 20 and on a federal in georgia it starts at 60 i don't have that in my bank account right now so i would have to use a public defender well public defenders only make about 50 to 150 dollars an hour depending on the type of public defender they are and they cap them at like 5000 if it's a state case and 10000 if it's a federal case so if you, Matthew's attorneys are not getting paid to do anything for him, your um the, the other guy you mentioned his attorneys aren't getting paid because they've already been capped. five thousand dollars, you know, I'll probably make that in a month, but you know, they're not getting paid, so they're just letting their clients sit there and hoping that they wear them down, and they go ahead and take a plea.:
0: Right. The plea bargain is the reason why we don't have a Sixth Amendment right. Uh, 95% of all felony cases end in a plea bargain. And they force you to take those with threats, which is also unconstitutional and illegal. If you take this to court, we're going to bury you. you. We're going to put you in forever, <laughs> you. and you'll never see the light of day. But if you take this deal, you'll be out in six months. That's that's how they do it. Remember the sister but that fired you. the gun when her husband or boyfriend was about to attack her? Uh, Marissa, I forget her last name. But uh, she fired a gun in the air, and they tried to give her 20 in the air, years.
1: Yeah. Right. But we've got to understand that when we go into that courtroom, our, our weapon is our voice and that stenographer. And as often as you can say, say, for the record, because that lets them know that they can't just run over you. So, I, you know, if they come in at you with a plea and you know you're innocent or you don't feel like that plea is just, the fact that they're trying to force it down your throat is a violation. It's a violation of your right to a fair trial. But you have to get in front of that judge and say it. Your Honor, they keep trying to force me to take a plea. The Constitution says I have a right to a fast and speedy trial, a right to a trial by the jury of my peers. But you're also telling me that if I refuse this plea, then you are going to throw the maximum penalty punishable at me. You're putting it on record that they said this to you, and the judge is going to question them right there in the courtroom, and it's on. But you also protected yourself if you are found guilty. They can't throw the maximum. They can do the minimum, but they can't throw the maximum at you because you put it on record that you were threatened that way. So if you see that, you're, if they find you guilty even after you said that, well, and if they throw the book at you, you protected yourself in the beginning by saying they told me that they were going to do this if I don't take this plea. They can't do that. They're not supposed to do that, but they do.
0: The other part of the Sixth Amendment is that you're guaranteed the right to competent counsel. And that's another thing that really feeds this mass incarceration system of slavery. Uh, The public defenders are so overworked. I was just listening to a uh, report from Louisiana where they were saying the public defenders there are doing an average of over 200 cases a year. So you're talking about mm-hmm. every uh, every three days you're doing two cases, murder cases, uh, rape cases, uh, you know uh, three strike laws. It don't matter what it is. Every three days you're doing yes. two of those, and that's just not possible to have a competent and they get when known. you're only allotted a few hours in order to do your whole case.
1: So what I would, what I usually advise the families because if they're in a state prison or a county jail, they have no access to a law library. So you copy out the Bill of Rights and send it to them and also copy out the, your state's Bar Association rules for professional conduct, and also the American Bar Association rules for professional conduct, and then they'll also have a counsel for defense. Send it to them and make them read over and fully understand what that attorney has sworn in to do. And because if you lose, most people file um, what is it, misrepresentation of counsel, Almost everybody loses it because it's your word against that attorney's. So you have to start proving it. So I usually tell people to call me that haven't been sentenced, write down what your attorney says to them and make them sign that they said it. Follow a phone call up with ask for our conversation. You said one plus one is two. Because you just and get it notarized and stamped if you don't have access to email and send it to them, the judge, and the prosecutors. That way everyone is well aware of what's going on in your case. So you're you're before, protecting yourself on the back, on the front end, just in case things go wrong, you're good on the back as well. Uh,
0: before we go any further, I want to uh, find out something. Uh, I know your time may be limited, and, you know, I just want to let you know that we're out for two hours. You're welcome to stay with me the whole time. Since I'm here by myself, I would certainly welcome it. <laughs> but if you uh, <laughs> only have the first hour, that's cool, too. So uh, do you plan to stay one or two with me?
1: I can do a, probably
0: another 20 minutes, but I do have another to go. 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. That way I, I know how to schedule out the rest of the program. All right. Um, okay. So then what I want to do is, uh, you know, I like to, to play informational music and clips to kind of uh, hammer what we're talking about home. And I have something about the Sixth Amendment that I want the audience to hear, and I think you'll really like it. Uh, so if you don't mind, okay. I'll get into that. Yeah All right, awesome You're listening to Abolition Today AbolitionToday.org with Max Parkers And Demita Bishop is our guest today We'll be right back after this
2: Soon we'll find out who is The real revolutionary
5: Justice delayed due to the public defender's
8: budget crisis Is not only justice denied But adds to the challenge of mounting an effective defense You really haven't had the time to sit down and and talk to him about the case. Right. You don't even have the case. Exactly. Exactly. And there he sits. There he sits, day by day, sitting in, I keep calling it a cage, but I mean, that's really what it is. He's locked in a cage with no recourse, no way out, no way of preparing for trial. I mean, every day that goes by, there's a potential piece of evidence that's being lost or being forgotten. That could be that one key that frees him right? That evidence never comes back. If someone forgets something, that could be the one key to freeing him. I mean, that doesn't come back. Three full years after Henry Campbell was arraigned in this courtroom, a court-appointed attorney filed a motion involving Campbell and six other defendants. It said that Louisiana's criminal justice system was so broken, allowing prisoners to languish in jail for years, allowing others to go months without any kind of legal representation, that it violated the U.S. Constitution. Constitution.
2: The
8: The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution guarantees every American facing trial the right to a lawyer, even if they cannot afford one. The Supreme Court enshrined that right into law with its landmark 1963 ruling in the case Gideon v. Wainwright. One way society meets that responsibility is with public defenders. But across the country, that system is being stretched to the breaking point, underfunded and
5: overworked.
6: We've created a counterfeit defense and it's only the illusion of fairness. The
5: public defender's office says it's at a tipping point and the outlook is not good. We want
1: the state to give them public defenders or to give money to appoint lawyers who can represent them in the way that the Constitution demands.
5: We
8: are dealing with a crisis. Missouri may well be ground zero, the state's public defender system widely seen as nearly broken. The state ranks 49th in per capita spending on indigent defense. Last year, its 320 public defenders handled 80,000 cases, on average more than 240 cases each. Listen to these lawyers in the public defender's office in Jackson County, the state's biggest district, which includes
9: Kansas City.
5: Mostly it's a dope
9: Over the next six weeks,
1: I have some very, very serious trials. They
5: deserve a lot more attention than I give them. Mostly all the time. I think I have six murder cases right now.
1: Too many um, for me to be
5: prepared for. But Pretty much if you ask any lawyer in this office, they'd, they'd say the same thing.
8: Do you feel you're, you're, you're able to give them all the time they deserve? <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, I don't know This is a long answer that you're asking for here. No, it's the simple answer.
8: Michael Barrett is head of Missouri's public defender system.
5: Defendants routinely sit in jail uh, for weeks just before they meet their attorney. And we tell them that we are very eager to work on your case. But it's going to be a while because there's an awful lot of people in front of you.
8: In 2016, Barrett convinced the Republican-controlled legislature to spend more money for his office. And when then-Governor Jay Nixon, a Democrat, slashed that increase, Barrett took a bold step.
5: I wanted to bring attention to this matter because so many people were being incarcerated without competent representation. But before I appointed a private lawyer who didn't cause this problem, I thought I'd start with the one person with a law license in the state could do something to fix it. A
10: bitter
1: budget battle in Missouri going to a new level last week.
5: Missouri Governor Jay Nixon has just been recruited to be a state public defender.
2: Missouri's lead public defender has ordered
8: Missouri Governor Jay Nixon to represent a poor defendant in court later this month. The court said Barrett didn't have the power to do that, but he had made his point. Now the courts are considering a $20 million class action suit the American Civil Liberties Union filed against the state. The five plaintiffs, all represented in criminal court by public defenders, say their constitutional rights were violated by long delays. Barrett acknowledges that when defenders are handling as many as 200 cases at a time, there's no way they can fulfill their professional and ethical duties to their clients.
5: You have to go visit with your clients. You have to look at the charges that your client faces. You have to investigate the case. You have to meet with witnesses. You have to talk to the police officer. You have to file motions. You have to receive the evidence that the prosecution has and then discuss the evidence with your client. To think that you can do each one of those steps in 150 cases is absolutely ridiculous.
8: As a result, defendants like Rayshad Ashton often end up pleading guilty to crimes they say they didn't commit just to get out of jail. It's called pleading to daylight.
5: Daylight. Make the case for why a revolution is not what the country needs or wants. We have problems we have to solve now. Now. What's a revolution going to do? Disrupt everything in the meantime?
2: Soon we'll find out who is the real
9: revolutionary.
0: Welcome back to Abolition Today. Uh, that was a max mix called The Real Revolutionaries about the Sixth Amendment. it? Yes. Uh, any commentary on what we heard?
1: I'm I'm, so, I'm sorry. You okay? Thank you for letting me hear that because I'm sorry. Let me get it together. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I gave up a lot to come into this walk because. I've learned so much stuff, and everything that man was saying is so right. But it's not just that state. Like, in St. Louis, they pick – they go into the – not St. Louis, Missouri. They go into the low-income areas, and they actually pick who they're going to put a crime on. And these Hmm. people come from families who, you know, of course they don't have the money to fight their case, but they also are very poorly educated. Um, So you get these people that – do what, what they said, where they'll just take a plea just so that they can go home one day. But it's still a long time. They might take 10 years because I know I'm going to be able to go home in 10 years. But when, if it's a co-defendant, it affects the rest of the case. So if the ones that don't want to take a plea refuse to admit guilt, it looks like the person that picked the plea snitched on them. And you know what happens when they go to prison. So it, mm-hmm. it's just so much I learned, and I was asking when they're time barred, because they get in prison and they listen to prison paralegals who pimp them and take their money and really don't know how to fight the law. They can, when somebody comes around that really can help them, they can't because they'd have been time barred. So I asked, I, I sat down with a few people, and I said, can we sue? Can we group them up and sue? And when I heard them say that, that's why I started crying. Because right. I kept asking, I, said, I think we need to get these people together, state to state, find the similarities in their cases, and sue, because that is cruel and unusual punishment. That is a constitutional Eighth violation. Amendment.
0: That's right. Yes, the used to $20 million mass action.
1: Yeah. you, you got action. people that are trapped in prison because of this, because of the way the court system is set, put together. And now you didn't you didn't use all your chances. So nope. Now if we discover you're free, unfortunately, you can't go home. You,
7: you and, said and, something and, that And that that's profound. slavery,
1: and without saying slavery, it, it doesn't get no more definite slavery. Uh,
0: you, I'm you sorry. You something that was profound there. You said they're trapped in prison, um, but there's so much behind those few words because. But just think about some of these prisons we're talking about, Parchman Prison in Mississippi, Angola Prison in Louisiana, Rikers Island in New York. You're talking about hell on earth, where every single day your life is at risk. Everything is a a risk for you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're subject to overseers who think that you are the scum of the earth and treat you like that every single day. And you haven't even been found guilty in these jails, and that's how you get treated. Uh, and fill these cracks that seem to be purposely left there to entrap all these people into this system of incarceration for profit. Uh, there exist jailhouse lawyers. And you yes. just pointed out that some of them are not the best people in the world. They're not really trying to help you. They're trying to squeeze some money out of them. And by the time exactly. they've done two or three times, Demeter Bishop comes along and says, I can actually help you, and they're afraid now, or they've got nothing
1: left to get. Demeter? Exactly. Exactly. You hit it on the head. I <laughs> yeah, it's the saddest it, thing. And then when he said, we don't need a revolution, I, I sadly disagree. We need a revolution, but getting it started is the hardest thing in the world. And I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir now because mm-hmm. you and many others that I've met in the last, three years i've been doing this have been fighting for decades so
0: that, that was uh joe biden saying what are we going to do with the revolution change everything and they, <laughs> like
1: yes change everything it's and so like, just like the, the um what, what is this little bill the crime bill of 94 that they they put together i was sitting in on a conference about that and they were like well we have to peel it layer for layer and I say so in our lifetime, the lifetime that got hit with it, we'll never see a change. If you peel it layer for layer, we have to make them knock it down. Because one of the one of the things in that that I totally disagree with is their definition of a gang. And my very first case that I advocated for was an actual street organization, but I had to show, I had to talk about them, to you know, to break it down that you're getting people who actually were never members of a street organization, and you're labeling them a gang. And the reason why is because the Crime Bill of 1994 says a gang is two or more people that commit a crime. But in Georgia, the bill says two or more people that create a series of crime. That word series is most important. So you get these first-time offenders that are doing life in prison or being gang-enhanced, and that was the first crime that they actually committed and they committed it alone as an individual, and they've never been a part of a gang. But they're gang-enhancing them because another part of the crime bill says you have to wear colors that are neutral to gangs. So right now I have on a blue shirt, so if I go commit a crime, the state of Georgia can consider me a crip, even though I've never been a crip. So, so even if we attack one part of it, there's another part of it. That's going to get you right back in that situation, and then if right. it's not the color, if it's not this, it's the way you wear your hair, and it's not what we see; it's what they see. So, if if dreadlocks is gang member to them, then if you had dreads in your hair while you committed a crime, you're now gang enhanced as a gang member. It's so, not you know, even so always what t- they
0: see. Right. Georgia just just had a sheriff out there or a chief police who had uh, labeled people members of a gang under the gang charges called ACAB, which means All Cops are Bastards. It wasn't a gang. These were activists. They just want to criminalize using the gang laws. That happens in many states across this country where you're not even part of a gang. They made you a part of a gang so that they they can use these
1: laws to incarcerate you. And you're in a database. And the only way, until you go to prison, you don't even know to get out of that database. You have to go to a federal agent or or chief of police and say hi my name is Demita Bishop and you labeled me a gang member and I'm not and let them in your business for 90 days or more until you prove that you are not in a gang but let's not forget they also consider any religion that's not Christian in prison so Moors and Hebrew Israelites and Muslim and Nation of Islam are all considered gangs in certain prisons
0: they deny so you one way or process. another
1: we're, we're a gang member <laughs> right That's right One way or another uh, We're a gang member
0: I believe The last I heard At any given moment 150 million people In this country Can be considered Criminals In one way or right. another Breaking the law One way or another It is a target Rich environment For slave catchers
1: Right I, I, When I'm talking To the youth I tell them There's somebody That looks like you Right now That's wanted for a crime But they'll take you If they can't find The real person They'll take you so somewhere in Georgia right now is a dark-skinned girl, about 170 pounds, five-foot-five, that committed a crime. But if they can't get her, they'll take me because I fit the description. But in some states, it's they, somebody your color, but I somebody my complexion committed the crime, but they take somebody your color and put them in prison. So, it, you know, I've seen some of the most craziest situations with these people that are incarcerated, and they say, well, everybody in prison swear they're innocent. A lot of them are, and a lot of them don't understand that they're guilty. Like, you know, we, we changed our kidnapping law, but it used to be if you move a person six feet or more without their permission, you kidnap them. So if, if I drag Max away from a situation, I technically kidnapped him by that law. And they didn't make it retroactive, so we got so many people sitting in prison, and the news will say, you know, Max Parker's kidnapped to meet a bishop but in reality, he just dragged me away from a scene on, on foot. Like, he just grabbed my hand and moved me six feet and then let me go.
0: They just found a way to prosecute but, you. That's all.
1: They just find a way. It's the <laughs> language in the law that is trapping us.
0: There's a and old so that's saying, why
1: it's important to get these laws changed.
0: There's an old saying. I, I can't remember who said it, but uh, it went along the lines of they used to own us, but now they just rent us. And when yes. I think about that, I think about how the cunning way in which they switch from chattel slavery to what we have today, which is a twisted version of convict leasing and warehousing bot. It's the beds, even if you buy prison stock right what you're what you're betting on is that these beds will always be filled, and they'll have more beds. But those beds represent people. So that single bed might have this guy for a year, that guy for five years, this person for three years. It doesn't matter how many go through it. It's human bodies that they are owning and profiting from while they're there and exploiting them, particularly behind bars. I mean, there's things you can buy behind bars right now from the commissary that are like 10 times uh, pricier than they are outside, like Raymond noodles, right? Right. Ramen noodles, right? Ramen noodles. Right. Honey for like five bucks. Honey bun, five <laughs> right. bucks. Uh, I was just reading earlier about a phone call um, that they had out of one state was uh, it was twelve minutes, cost fifteen dollars for twelve minutes of a phone call. Uh, it, it's they just get you every direction. You got to buy certain sneakers who have uh, monopolies yes. on selling to the prisoners. What's the name of that company? Bob Barker. Bob, Bob Barker. Gotta yeah, help. yeah right? Tell us about Bob Barker if you know about Bob Barker.
1: Well, he's his company is the one that all the prison commissary goes to, isn't it? The guy for yes. the prices
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bob Barker Industries. <laughs> they sell the right. flip flops. They sell the the jockey shorts. They sell they're sell, the everything. everything. The clothing, right. And it's all for exorbitant prices because you have a literal captive consumer base. They ain't got no choice exactly. but from you, and you know outside that's called a monopoly and it's illegal. But inside, apparently, laws don't apply anymore.
1: Right. The phone and calls does, are ridiculous.
0: <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I believe isn't that Securus that runs the phone calls? I may be wrong. Yes,
1: yeah, Securus and you no, know, Securus is one, GTL is another.
0: GTL, right? GTL. That's the other one. If Yusuf was here, he knows all the different names. He's our legal mind. I'm just a right. color <laughs> coordinator, <laughs> but yeah, uh GTL, man uh they are just profiting off of misery, so they they take advantage of of you while you're in there, including make you pay room and board um they work yeah. you for free and they exploit your families on the outside. I, I know my sister Jean exactly. always tells us about how she to make you know to give money to her husband when he was behind bars. In order to give them 500 she had to pay 750 along those lines. Yeah. Uh, oh, they yeah. even have their own credit cards now, right? <laughs> their yeah. own credit cards the prison companies have that you use outside the prisons.
1: Right. And it's well, sad for the people who have no one on the outside because they've been in so long that everybody's gone. Mom and daddy, everybody's done kind of left. Gone or died. I started... Right. I sat in with um, Reform to help pitch, push a parole bill in Mississippi, and so they did give everybody parole dates, but the rule was you had to have at least three addresses that you can live. So a lot of those brothers, mama, daddy, dead, the wife and got remarried, kids, you know, they have never, ever seen their kids because some of them made them right before they went in prison. So they have nobody to call to go home, so you just got proof for parole, but unfortunately, you can't go home. So it is, who this whole prison system is something else.
0: <laughs> I, I don't believe that God wants us to be in these conditions. Uh, I believe what it says in Genesis, that you will uh, live by the sword and you will serve your brother. Uh, but when you grow weary, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. And I'm about yoke throwing right now. I
7: am weary. You
1: need,
0: Let
7: me tell you, Max.
1: <laughs> And I don't know how you've done it this long. I, I, My friend told me one day, be careful what you pray for. And fair was the very first thing that Manguiwa City Israel sent me when he was teaching me what he needed me to learn to get fair started was remember those in prison as if you were chained to them. Well, and then I prayed, God, please don't never let me forget what I'm here, what I've been calling to do. And, oh, God, he never lets me forget because they won't stop calling me. And I, and some days I'm like, I can't. I can't do this anymore, God. Like, I feel like no matter how hard I fight, I'm fighting them because they're afraid and I'm fighting the system. So I don't see how, I don't know how you guys have done it for this long. I've seen myself Man. gain weight and age in three years.
0: <laughs> it's it's like being stuck in the ocean with no boat, just you. You paddling because if you don't paddle, right. you're going to drown. So you got to exactly. paddle no matter what or give up and giving up is drowning. And I'm not trying to drown. Right. I got My wife and I are expecting our newest grandchild. Uh, It's a little boy that will be due next month from my youngest daughter. Uh, And that will be our 22nd grandchild. Uh, Half of them are boys. (laughs) Half of them are boys. I got to explain to these boys that one in three of them are going to go to prison. Like, how do you expect me to explain that to my grandchildren? And if there's anything I can do to change that for mine, For yours, for ours, I'm going to do it, period, with a T at the end.
1: I have three sons and one grandson, and I have two daughters and four granddaughters. All, All my grandkids are like babies from one to four, but... I tell my sons, like, you know, I, I'm, every time I meet a new person incarcerated, I do a group message on my sons, and I'm like, be careful. You know? They hate it. They're like, oh, my God, I wish you would have fed the homeless like normal people or something, like, why are you doing this? But, yeah. And then I, 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 you were t- started off talking about Roe versus Wade. I was thinking today, I, my little girl, my youngest child, who is 11 now, she's came on her cycle uh, when she was 10, And so I sat her down, and I had explained her body changing. But one of the most important things I told her was that your body is yours. Nobody can touch your body. Mommy can't touch your body. Daddy can't touch your body. But your brothers and sisters, and if anybody does, you tell me. And then I'm like, anything you want to happen, if you want kids, if you don't want kids, it's all up to you. And then here we go. (laughs) And here we go. And I'm like, well, I guess I lied to her. Um.
0: I'm going to do what I've been instructed to do on many occasions is that I ain't got no right to have an opinion in this thing. So I'm going to keep it. (laughs) Right. uh, You know, the women have spoken and I'm taking what they said as gospel. And I wish some of these other men would do the same thing. You know,
1: your choices
0: and decisions.
1: Right. I understand both sides because I have friends who cannot make a baby if they paid to make a baby they just cannot do it and then there was people like me who was fertile myrtle i could just walk by you and get pregnant
0: <laughs> why are you talking about so... <laughs> my mama
1: like that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so i mean i i get it and you know my um my third daughter my my third child i had her when i was 25 weeks of conception and they walked into the room and they said if we don't take her out of you you're you're not going to make it through the night And because I had Medicaid at the time, because I was was young, I was 19, and um, they didn't want to do too much to me, they were going to abort my daughter, and it was a two-day process at that stage of gestation. But God stepped in and was like, "Uh, she's going to die in the two days if y'all don't get this baby out of her. So they had to do a C-section, and now she's somewhere getting on my nerves. But, (laughs) you know, I think about the fact that if, you know, if there's a mother that's you know, the baby isn't fully developed. They have to get that baby out. Is she going to be allowed to? Or they're going to say, well, we can't abort her because, you know. So it, it's so much, and it's a hard situation because I, I can kind of understand both sides and how they feel. But we, we're giving the government too much control over our lives already. They have enough control over us.
0: You know, I, I said, why are you talking about my mother like that? Because literally, my mother's name is Myrtle, and she had eight kids, okay. and they called her Fertile Myrtle. Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> eight kids. We, we, you know, we used to have big families a lot, uh, and yes. it was mainly because one parent could work and make enough money to support the entire family. And now That's you need parents to take care of, right? That's the, A lot of us grew up in that, but it's not like that mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, you got to work no. two jobs to be able to make yeah. ends meet. And then you might not make it then either. What did you say? It's $7 an hour in Georgia. $7. minimum wage and 1600 is. to rent an apartment. How is that even it's mathematically right. possible? It's not. What it, do you expect from doesn't. people? Yeah, it doesn't add up. Think, and it forces us into poverty. And where there's poverty... There's desperation, drugs and alcohol. When mm-hmm. there's desperation, there's crime. And where there's crime, there's slave catchers.
1: Right. I mean, all situations, even abuse. You know, these people who are abusing, they actually love each other. But it's the stress of, you know, the job and the, the bills being behind and nagging wife, nagging husband. that causes all this stuff to happen to our black family. And we've got to preserve them the best we can. But it's hard when we're living under these situations and and I always tell people no matter what a black man does I got his back I don't care if he wants a white woman if he's gay if whatever he got going on I got his back because there's a target on y'all backs uh, and I didn't me, understand it more until I came over on this side of the fence like when I started looking at you know a black man and a and his white counterparts can commit the exact same crime and the black man has to do the 200 years in prison, and the white man gets three months for the exact same crime.
0: The environments
1: so.
0: that we have to exist under, the conditions that we have to exist under, is just beyond reason. It's part of a, a genocide. Just less than an hour before I came on air today, my cousin called, and he said, my niece, my favorite niece, uh, her ex-husband just died. He's only 45 years old. he got high blood pressure, heart failure, and uh, what else? He, high blood pressure and heart failure and something else he had. But apparently his heart gave out of out, um, at 45. Um, now, mind you, she just lost her son, 20 years old, shot by a 14-year-old, murdered just a few what years happened? ago. His father was shot and murdered uh, before he died, months before he died. And now she, her other son just lost his father. And these are the environments that they're living in in New Jersey, in Patterson, New Jersey, uh, where murders are happening two, three, five times a day, every single day, where the property has been uh, fell apart, the communities are no longer viable, the corruption is so bad that at least four mayors have went to prison in this city. And the police are nothing but slave catchers. That's the environment that we live in. You remember that movie Lean On Me from back in the day? I do. That was my city. That was my school. That's where my family's at right now. That same environment we had to come up in. And it was worse than what you saw in the film. It's even worse now. And that makes it hard
1: on this side of the fence that that's not, and it's not just in Atlanta the crime is up in the rich neighborhood, Buckhead, Midtown. There's violence, you know, there's a lot of shootouts in front of Lenox Mall, inside Lenox Mall. And so for when I get out there and I'm like, this brother got a wrongful conviction or an unfair sentence, they don't care because mm-hmm. I can't even go eat lunch at my favorite restaurant in Buckhead, which co- is going to cost me $300 just to eat without ducking and dodging bullets. So it, it just makes it even harder to fight for, you
0: know, anything, mass incarceration. Anything. Uh, listen, Damita, I know you said you had about 20 more minutes, and time is flying, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what I yes, wanna do I could talk is, all day, but I do have to get back to
1: work. <laughs> what but, I want
0: to do is give you an opportunity you. to mm-hmm. say whatever you want to say, and please leave some links and information uh, and a shout-out about Freedom Fest.
1: Yes. Well, the only thing I want to say is if you can get to Freedom Fest, get there. It is in Atlanta, Georgia, at Grant Park. I know um, a lot of you may have be hearing it for the first time, so if you're close enough to drive, we welcome you. It is crowd-friendly. There's going to be a lot of interactive things going. The crowd will be able to t- get on the microphone. People that's incarcerated, if you have them on the phone. We have three different men who asked me if they can film the cases As documentary. So if you don't mind them filming your loved one's story, y'all work. I don't have anything to do with that. So you have to work out whatever with them. They're going to film it. And plus, every news network is going to be there. So we have a chance to do something powerful with this. And best of all, Max and Tribal are going to be there speaking. So (laughs) you know, it's going to be good. Max doesn't leave his state for no BS. <laughs> so,
0: uh, if, it, if it's about freedom, I'm I'm down for the cause. You already know.
1: Exactly. <laughs> thank you too. And so we but, we welcome you, but I don't have a website. I just have social media, and it's Demita Bishop on all platforms. D a m i t a b i s h o p.
0: I want to say thank you for joining me tonight. It was a pleasure, and I look forward. It was
1: to a pleasure. Yes, you I in see you Saturday.
0: I'll I'll see see you you Saturday. When are you gonna here
1: Friday night? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll see you Saturday for sure. But if you need anything when you get here, let me know. Okay.
0: All right. Peace, my sister. Have a blessed day.
1: You too. Bye bye.
0: You just heard Demita Bishop. Uh, She was our guest tonight. She is the founder of Fair. Uh, Fair is fighting against institutional railroading. Co-founder, I think she said. uh, and she's the creator of Freedom Fets, uh, which is happening July 2nd at Grant Park, Park in Atlanta, Georgia. And my wife, Travel Rain, just sent out a woot, <laughs> a woot uh, in celebration. Um, I want to go back a little bit and then play a clip. And what I want to go back to is the topic of the day, which is probably the most important moment uh, that we are going to have for some time. And that is the circumstances happening right now in California with ACA 3, the abolition bill. It made it through all these hearings and all these committees where nobody had any testimony against it. They begged for testimony and nobody had nothing to say. It was all good. Everybody was in agreement until Thursday under the cover of the Roe versus Wade decision. Suddenly they had all of these different, uh, uh, oppositional speeches. Suddenly they were concerned about how much money it might cost them. Suddenly uh, they were concerned about uh, how focusing on criminals, their words, rather than victims. Uh, And it sounded like 1862 all over again. What are we going to do with these Negroes if we're freedom? What are we going to do if we don't have these Negroes to work for us? What are we going to do without the Negro? The Negro question. And I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) Somebody accused us of exaggerating. Senator Nielsen accused us of exaggerating because we said that slavery and involuntary servitude are crimes against humanity and they have no business being in our constitutions as a constitutional amendment. And yet they're there in 23 states right now. Uh, And the only people trying to remove them out there is the organizations that we work with, which we've just done after 150 some odd years, finally started removing them. And now these pro-slavery advocates have so much to say about their loss of money and manpower. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear them with your own ears. So I'm going to play one of the clips from Senator Nielsen, and it's going to be followed by just a short advertisement clip of a film called The Great Incarcerator. So to start off uh, with the June 24th hearing of ACA 3 with Senator Nielsen testifying. And he votes. You're listening to Abolition Today, org. Max is running solo today. Uh, we got this, but Yusuf, come on home. We'll be right back
6: after this. Abolition.
0: Abolition.
3: Abolition.
6: Today. Abolition. Today. Thank you. Senator Nielsen. <laughs> Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, I object to the terminology chosen here, involuntary servitude and slavery. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the justice system and justice for victims. And the people of California have repeatedly spoken on this issue. Three strikes in 1979, later Marcy's Law, that when you harm your fellow humans, including serious and violent acts at their peril there's a consequence we're going to remove the consequence now oh why well do you think that it's going to be just an elevated wage for inmate labor lord no mandatory automatic increases in minimum wage for inmate labor now what is inmate labor about well, it's about, one, improving your skills that you may then be more capable to participate as a citizen in your community when you are indeed released. It has an enormous impact on institutional security. And if you give a darn about that and don't want to have bunch of Attica riots, you better give this a thought. But what you really better think about is the impact on local government. Oh, this is just a cost to the state correction system. Hardly. You think lawsuits about this are not going to march right out into your local jails? It already has, when we did this terrible realignment several years ago. I predicted, and it didn't happen just in a few weeks, Fresno County was sued. Why? Because the inmate conditions in their jails had to be equated with those in the correctional system under the authority of a federal receiver, then and now. Is that what you want to impose on your local government and your communities? Running their jails has to be done this way, and if you're gonna do any work, you have got to get paid the minimum wage, or whatever that wage is? No, this is about individuals who have harmed their fellow citizens. They are paying the price, which is justice for the citizens of California, and for particularly their victims. Now we're gonna thumb their noses at those victims. And we do it here again and again. I'm tired of that. It's time for us to care about victims again instead of criminal offenders who harm people. Now again, I want to emphasize a point. Used to be good time credit was 50% for good time. But what is good time? Well, that means that you've been behaving, that you've been programming the things you're supposed to do. No. I know more about this than I think any of you, by far. And I objected to it all my years at the board of parole hearing. Objected? Why? Because corrections did not require inmates to earn the good time with an automatic sentence reduction. Why? so that they could control the Department of Corrections inmate population. And if they needed more room at the inn, they just started recording more credits for more things. But what do credits mean? Do credits mean that you went to your AA program or battered women's syndrome program and got it, applied yourself? No, it means you put your bottom down in a seat and sat there for an hour, and you get credit. That's injustice. That is not servitude. That is not slavery. Let's not call it that. Inflammatory language has no place in the justice system, ever how you play it. Realize that this bill has enormous consequences for our communities, for our citizens, and particularly for the aggrieved victims who we, by a vote of I, are thumbing, our noses. thumbing our, noses. That. our
1: noses. Many people don't really have any idea
5: of how enormous our prison system has become in a relatively
1: short period of time.
3: We have 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's known prison population.
1: If 70% of drug abusers are white, and 70% of the inmates incarcerated for drug abuse are black. We have problems. Nixon said explicitly, you know, the whole problem is really the blacks. The key is to devise a system that recognizes this while not appearing to.
8: The remnants, the sediments, the hauntings of slavery are nowhere as evident as they are in the prison
1: system. The 13th Amendment, which abolishes slavery, provides an exception for forced labor in prison. Chattel slavery is the foundation of the economic prosperity of this country today. So slavery is still legal in the United States as long
8: as you're in prison. But we're also talking about The extent to which corporations are very deeply implicated in the expansion of prisons.
1: It's necessary to understand that the prison industrial complex is being perpetuated, and it's being perpetuated on purpose. People are profiting off of the prison system in a really gross fashion.
8: Now, why is this country the
2: great incarcerator? Somewhere along
4: the lines, the wool is being pulled over, uh, over our eyes. Abolition.
7: Abolition.
4: Abolition.
0: You just heard testimony from Senator Nielsen where he voted no to ending slavery and involuntary servitude in the state of California. One of five that voted no. Um, That happened June 24th, and the bill is ACA-3. It was followed by The Great Incarcerator, a clip from the film, uh, which kind of put everything together. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 515-605-9814, 515-605-9814. And if you uh, do get in, remember to press 1 on your keypad so that we know you have a question or a comment. Uh, You know, I'm trying to be reserved because that really pissed me off hearing all of this nonsense coming from this pro-slavery. And I can't help but think white supremacists, based on the tropes and narratives that he was throwing out there, this old white dude, right? Senator Nielsen, talking about how it's going to be forcing people to pay mandatory wages in jails and prisons. Apparently, you don't understand the bill or what it says in your own constitution, it just doesn't dawn on you, none of that, right? Because pretrial has nothing to do with the 13th Amendment. You haven't been convicted yet, and clearly both your state constitution and the federal constitution says that except uh, for prisoners duly convicted. So it doesn't even apply to the jails. I I don't even know what the hell he was talking about there. Actually, I do. I know what he's talking. He's trying to keep slavery legal in his state. That's And he felt brave enough to say all the bad parts out loud. Fear-mongering, like literally fear-mongering, saying you better be concerned or you're going to have another Attica. If these guys are not forced to work, you're going to have another Attica. Uh, talking about the Attica uprising where so many people were murdered by the state, murdered by the state. Then he started screaming about lawsuits and challenges against slavery, and talking about how uh, you want to, you don't want the jails to have to go by what the rules of prisons are doing. And what rules are the prisons are doing? They're uh, trying to adhere to the Eighth Amendment, not to have cruel and unusual punishment. And he's lamenting the fact that you're going to have to do that in the jails too. I believe California just approved like $14 billion four, a few years ago just for their jails alone. Such a huge economic business model that they have in California with slavery and military servitude. Uh, he also went into the tropes about how everybody in their prisons and jails are violent criminals, rapists and murderers, and they've all got victims, and you got to respect the victims, otherwise you're throwing thumbing your nose at the victims, as if nobody ever goes to prison for tax evasion. Nobody ever goes to prison for marijuana. Nobody gets a three-strike law hit on them because they jaywalked. Nobody goes to prison for anything but violent, uh, violent crimes. That's that's what he was saying, basically. They're all indebted to the victims. But what about when the state is the victim? Is that what you're talking about, too? Because a large majority of our nation's inmates are there for nonviolent uh, drug related addiction related poverty related crimes so how do you account for this rhetoric under those circumstances um man just so much uh and he was talking about good times like dude what are you talking about good times for the bill was very clear to remove a constitutional amendment and replace it with language that does not have pro-slavery or pro-involuntary uh, servitude language in it. Very simple. And let me tell you, there is no difference really between slavery and involuntary servitude. As a matter of fact, let me pull up something that I, I had here for today. Um, and you can look at it too as well on your own phone. If you go to the lawdictionary.org Uh, and you put in involuntary servitude, let me tell you what it says. Definitions and citations. Term use when a person is forced to work against his will, period. Slavery, period. It's slavery, period. If you go to Black's Law Dictionary, it tells you, see slavery, because it's the same damn thing. It's a synonym for the same damn thing. Involuntary servitude is slavery. You're forcing people to work against their will. And in California, uh, think about Sam Brown, the original author of the California ACA 3 uh, uh, amendment. Right? He had done thousands of hours of uh, training, education. Remember, he's got several degrees that he's earned while he was in there. He created the 10P program. Um, he wrote this bill, all these beautiful, wonderful things he was doing to change himself and others around him while he was in prison, right? The one time they told him, black man, go get your ass over there into that COVID room and clean it up or else. And he said, no, I don't want to go in there and be the first person in California's penitentiaries to clean up these COVID, uh, filled room with his blood and urine and vomit, I don't want to do that because I don't want to die. They were ready to give him 15 years more on his sentence. He'd already served 23 years, 24 years. They were ready to put him, in, keep him in for another 15 years to get all the good work that he had been doing because he said, no, I don't want to risk my life to do your free labor. And that's what he wants to keep in play. I think we got a hand up. Let me go ahead and bring him in. Uh, 0636,
10: you're here with me on Abolition Today. Peace, peace, Brother Max. Peace to the oh, abolitionists. Peace. peace, Brother Tag
0: Harmon. Uh, welcome back to Abolition Today, as always, man. Uh, you had some questions or comments?
10: Yeah, I mean just as as always a lot going on off the broadcast uh, the sister was just sounding very strong and that was greatly appreciated but of course I mean this clip this most recent clip that you played and all of this nonsense around ACA3 um is really just beyond I mean you your boys talking about rejecting language uh what was the what what was the quote? I, I object to the terminology. Yes. Involuntary servitude and slavery. <laughs> well, if you object to it so much then why don't you remove it from exactly. the state constitution?
0: <laughs> exactly, man.
10: <laughs> Unreal. He apparently doesn't Unreal. know what's
0: in his constitution. And we've been having this hearing over and over again. And now you don't know it's in the constitution. And so you spoke to keep
10: slavery legal instead. Um, this well, several so, of them. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say we, uh, you know, tragically we have centuries of experience with this same exact type of character, and the same exact kind of rhetoric, and the same exact kind of posture. So, I mean, at at the very least, you know, we we shouldn't be surprised when when they come out of the woodworks, especially when they have some kind of cover, which uh, so often is how they approach it. As we know, let
0: me let me draw some names on the people. So, you know, who's who, right? Um, We needed 27 votes to pass. And as I said, we've been continuously passing unanimously. But this time we only got 19 votes. Uh, We were short uh, the eight votes there. Five voted no. And uh, there was 14 who didn't show up at all to vote. Uh, four of those were legitimately excused. So that means that chose pro-slavery with their silence by not showing up. And the ones with the uh, gonads enough to say it out loud and vote to keep slavery and involuntary servitude legal in the state of California was Ochoa Bo, uh Senator Nielsen, who you just heard a few moments ago, Senator Grove, and Senator Dahl, D-A-H-L-E. So that's Ochoa Bo, which is spelled O-C-H-O-A-B-O-G-H, Senator Nielsen, N-I-E-L-S-E-N, it's a weird spelling of the name, Uh, Senator Grove, G-R-O-B-E, and Senator Dolly, which is D-A-H-L-E. and one more, Senator Glaser. This man, I said his name last because he took it even beyond And decided to publish a public statement about why he was going to vote no to ending slavery in the state of California. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it for you. Now, we have a well-educated audience. My brother Tag is right here. He knows the real deal. So when you hear these things, you're going to be like, what the hell is wrong with this man? Please say this right after Juneteenth when you just killed a bill that would end slavery in California. He says, statement on ACA 3, slavery was an evil, was an evil, that will forever be a stain on the history of our great, great country. We eliminated it through the Civil War at the adoption of the 13th Amendment. Now, I'm going to stop right there. What's wrong with that, uh, Tag? Tell me what's wrong with that statement.
10: I, I'm, I'm just going to have to reject the language of that statement.
0: <laughs> but he starts it all <laughs> With with the lie, we eliminated it through the Civil War and the adoption of the 13th Amendment. The first thing that comes to mind to me is apparently you have not read the 13th Amendment. It's only 47 words. And if you read it, you will see it clearly says it's abolished except for prisoners duly convicted. So how is that an abolition if you've got an exception to abolition right there? Uh, And then he goes on to say involuntary servitude. So lesser known, like what did you talk about lesser known? Okay, also has a shameful past. After the emancipation, man, it's just hard reading this stupidity because he keeps making these blatant statements about how slavery has been abolished, which means he has not heard a word we've been saying all this time and has not read his own constitution or the federal constitution. He says after the emancipation, Southern states sent many Blacks to prison on trumped-up charges, then leased them to farms and factories where they were forced to work without pay. It was slavery by another name, but ACA 3 is not about slavery, period. Slavery is banned in California by the state constitution, period. ACA 3 is not even about involuntary servitude, at least of the kind that was practiced 100 years, 150 years ago. That's as far as I want to go right now with this guy. It's just so much stupidness right here a c a three is not about slavery. Have you read the Constitution mary uh, have you did you read your own state constitution because <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about slavery and involuntary servitude and as I just showed the dictionary, the legal definition says what slavery so it's a synonym. It was applicable uh because. When Vermont first made the original exception clause, they meant it to apply to European immigrants who were coming in, who were accused of crimes, and given the choice of death or traveling. And traveling meant coming to the New World to be indentured servants, to work for a period of time. At the end of which, you would get some land, some money, and be able to start your own life. And that's what they meant by involuntary servitude. But as you know, slavery became the replacement for that, an expansion of it.
10: Tag, any comments? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this statement, and I know we just went with an excerpt, but it's pretty incredible how he ends it. He he he's talking about he went to the legislative council's office basically to, to get their thoughts on what what would be a good amendment instead of ACA three. Uh and and basically he ends it by saying, A, slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited. B as used in this section, involuntary servitude means and then it continues for Lines upon lines talking about what involuntary servitude will not apply to basically the, the various activities that go on on the inside through forced labor. So it's just so the, the I, I guess the, the concept is replace the exception clause with a, another exception clause. That's that's his solution. Yes. And he's redefining a word that
0: already has a definition. It already has a definition. And you're going to redefine it, uh, which is very much what we see with like the abolitionist movement. The abolition movement was always about ending slavery. But nowadays, a lot of people think it's about ending prisons or ending police or uh, ending the justice system. But it was always about ending slavery, you know? You don't get to redefine words that already have legal definitions that apply to everyone in this country's life through constitutions. What did you, the new founding father? You know, I'm, I'm reading this right now. And I think I like a de- my definition better than uh, Thomas Jefferson's death I like mine better. <laughs> that, that's what he's at with it. It's utterly ridiculous. And it shows that his intentions have nothing to do with understanding or trying to make a change that would benefit people. There's a reason behind what he wrote here because that type of ignorance is unex- is inexcusable or a senator, for you not to know what it says in the, neither the 13th Amendment nor your state constitution, and you're here at a Senate hearing, hearing a bill that would remove involuntary servitude from your constitution, and you're pretending it ain't there. Like, we don't have that. <laughs> where, where is it? I don't see it. We don't have that. It, it's ridiculous. So I have a, an ask for everybody listening right now, and uh, this ask is very simple. Go to Twitter and demand that the California Senate pass ACA three. Use the hashtag ACA three so that uh, we can. They're all together and we can make sure that we share them with these specific senators. Since yesterday, we may have only until tomorrow to get this done. If they have another hearing tomorrow, we ask for a reconsideration vote, and they gave it to us. So it's either tomorrow or Thursday. If we don't get this bill passed by the 30th, it's not going to be on the ballot. And that means that this extreme liberal state of California, where they say that so goes California, goes the country, will have not done something that Tennessee has done, that uh, Oregon has done, that Louisiana has done. The prison capital of the world has done it. And yet you are cowardly, too cowardly to actually do it in California,
10: a so-called liberal state. Tag? Yeah, it, it is mad remarkable, and it just goes to show again what El Haj had been said that you know we got to stop talking about the South. You know, if you're if you're south of Canada, because we've seen and and uh, shouts to the San Francisco Bay View and um, Sister Nube um, out there who was who was covering this as well as as, as these hearings were happening before this uh, about face with all of the no votes and the no shows. And what you see in there is just a lot of theatrics, optics, everyone acting like, yeah, you know, we, we're on the same page. Of course, you know, slavery, of course, slavery is wrong, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of that kind of pageantry. But what we did also see during that, during that hearing was this, uh this department of finance character who keeps being brought up. They keep referencing, you know, uh, th- this guy Glazer is referencing the department of finance, et cetera. They keep talking about the numbers that the department of finance was quoting. Well, this, this department of finance, ghoul that they, that they brought out to, to, Get people to question ACA three, actually had the nerve to bring up printing costs.
7: Mm-hmm. Actually
10: quoted quoted the amount mm. that the printing of changing the constitution would cost the state of California wow. to to Amen. to end slavery in the state. It's,
0: it's maddening to heck! Like you're really considering the cost of printing versus ending slavery. That's one of your reasons right there. Like I said, we're back in 1862, and they just have the balls to say anything that they want to say. Tonight, I had a couple clips laying in wait that I was going to share. I don't think I'm going to be able to share them now because we're coming close to the end of the program, but I will tell you about them. Uh, As of late, the Republican Party has been imploding. They're literally calling for the deaths of each other. There's a Tennessee senatorial candidate by the name of Eric Greetings. Uh He has put out a video talking about how they're going rhino hunting with him with a big-ass rifle, as well as five or six other men in full military garb with, with their rifles, busting in people's houses, throwing down flash grenades, and then coming in ready to shoot anything. And they say they're going after... Republicans, rhinos, Republicans in name only. And they said you could bag him and tag them for as long as you like. There's no limit. It, it, it's it's genocide being asked for on public television by a Tennessee state candidate, Eric greetings, And there's no backlash. If that was the Black Panthers saying that, everybody be in prison. Black people that ain't even involved in the Black Pan- Panthers would be in prison right now if that was a black man. Black Panthers, any Black organization, a Huey P. Newton gun club, if they had to set it, all of their houses would be surrounded right now with men ready to murder them. But apparently, being white and Republican, you can get away with it. The same thing happened with the gubernatorial candidate, Candace Taylor, uh, where she was talking about killing sheriffs if they don't adhere to the narrative that the Trumpians have put out. So the Republicans got some serious problems right now. They talking about killing you if you're just a plain old conservative and you're not in all of these extremities that they're getting involved in. Your life is in danger, and apparently, uh, the fighting words or the you know calling for fire that there's a fire in a crowded arena, or calling for the death of people is suddenly protected by the First Amendment when it wasn't protected by the First Amendment to everybody else. Any comments on that tag?
10: Yeah, it, it just it it just feels like more of the same. More more of just heightening the atmosphere of uh, in, of just uh, utter uh just destruction. Um, heightening the atmosphere of of open destruction and and particularly you know those of a certain ilk wanting to to create an environment where people feel like it's just basically open season. And, um, you know, a lot of people can potentially benefit from and exploit those kinds of conditions. And we know who tends to catch the brunt of those kinds of conditions in, in this uh, slaver genocide uh, space that, that has been constructed out here around us. I mean, I remember when they were trying to blame the, the Panthers for intimidating uh, people uh, waiting to vote. Not too long ago at, at, at some of these recent elections, something that didn't even it didn't even actually happen. But just just the specter of, of the notion of Black Panthers was enough to, to, you know, have have coverage out here in, in commercial media talking about that, uh, that people were intimidated and this and that. I think that was that was when uh, Obama was last running something along those lines. So. You know, yeah, as you say, if this if this had been the Panthers, any other uh, such uh, revolutionary organization, you know, that I mean, this is how they do they, they they distort to till till it's completely unrecognizable.
0: Right. Any black person, any imagine somebody who uh, followed the Islamic faith has said it uh, from some mosque. The whole mosque would be in prison right now if they said something like that out loud. Um, I want to share some words that come from the great, great, great grandniece of Harriet Tubman, her sister, Tina Martin Wyatt. She says, and this is on Twitter, if you go to her page, Tina Martin Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-1, one one T and the number one following that, uh, you can help us share and amplify her voice. She said, tell California Senate to pass ACA 3 and end slavery. Aunt Harriet referenced slavery to a snake. And she said, never wound a snake, kill it. A no or a no show is a vote digressing to 1862 and not progressing beyond 2022. How will history remember you? That is the the bloodline of Harriet Tubman telling y'all that. Come on, man. We got to stand up. This moment is not going to happen again. And it's critical right now. So all we're asking you to do, It's Amplify Voices to get out there and hashtag ACA3 today because today could be the last day. And if you know some of these superstars out there like Angela Davis, Michelle Alexander, who you heard here on the broadcast tonight, uh, Ava DuVernay, all these champions of the 13th Amendment and mass incarceration, Brother Common, uh, Meek Mill, uh, Jay-Z, You name it. All these people have something to say. They need to stand up right now before it's too late and use their influence to turn the tide and get this vote through. Because if we lose California, it could affect every state campaign across the country, and we would end up having some serious problems. So we need your help right now. All right. Brother Tag, any comments you want to make before I start closing it up?
10: Well, just appreciating the work as ever, and there's always more work uh, to be done abolition-wise, so, you know, salute to y'all and, and to all the abolitionists. And a, a week from today, matter of fact, July 3rd will be 40 cities coming together uh, around Mumia, uh, our brother who's still inside. And so uh, out, out of outrage for this this continuous uh, enslavement of, of brother Mumia Abu Jamal—they're um, going to be converging on uh, 40 cities uh, across the country and across the world, you know, to really uh, lift that up and, and make it clear that he needs to be released immediately, and and uh, we're, we're not going to tolerate uh, just just allowing for him to just languish inside for all these decades. So, um, lovenotfear.com. Is a place that uh, anyone could check out for for more information on that. And um, I know at least for the New York City area, there's buses being put together. So if you're out here, uh, yeah, a week from today, July 3rd.
0: Thank you, Brother Tag. I want to say thank you to our guest, Demita Bishop, uh, Brother Tag, who called in. Um, Curtis Davis uh, from the in Louisiana, who called in earlier, and remind you, Freedom Fest. July 2nd in Grant Park, Atlanta, Georgia. Come see Demeter, myself, Tribal Rain, and participate in the events. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I Am Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Same Urge, Quakers Uplifting, Racial Justice, the Paul Comfy Abolitionist Center, where I'm broadcasting from right now, Prismatic Dreams, and, of course, the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Abolition Today for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us and make a donation, too, because we definitely need it to become a part of the solution that ends the institution of slavery. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can start right now by tweeting the following statement. California Senate to pass ACA3, hashtag ACA3 now. No more slavery and no more exceptions. You can also text end the exception to 52886 and follow the prompts. This will send a signed petition on your behalf to the congressional reps in support of proposed 28th Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause to the 13th Amendment. We'll be back on Sunday, July 10th, with a special broadcast and guest that have been managing the Sugarland 95 mass graves. You're going to want to be there to hear that. Uh, next week we'll play a rebroadcast. Well worth hearing, as both Yusuf and I will be out and on location, beating slavery like it stole somebody. Until then, think about abolition today. Uh, we're going to end it off here with an excerpt. From David Walker's Appeal, Daryl D.M.C. McDaniels, followed by Rebecca Ferguson's Freedom. You've been listening to Abolition Today at abolitiontoday.org. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Today. In 1829,
6: David Walker, a son of a slave but born free in North Carolina, moved to Boston. The next year, he published a pamphlet, Walker's Appeal to the Colored Citizens of the World which became widely read and infuriated southern slaveholders. The state of Georgia offered a reward of $10,000 to anyone who would deliver Walker alive and $1,000 to anyone who would kill him. Here is an excerpt.
3: I asked the candid and unprejudiced of the whole world to search the pages of historians diligently and see if anyone ever treated a set of human beings as the white Christians of America do us, the blacks. I also ask the attention of the world of mankind to the declaration of these very American people of the United States, a declaration made July 4th, 1776. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving that they're just powers from the consent of the government, that whenever any form of the government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. See your declaration, Americans? Do you understand your own language? Hear your language, proclaimed to the world July 4th, 1776. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Compare your own language above, extracted from your declaration of independence with your cruelties and murders, inflicted by your cruel and unmerciful fathers in yourselves, on our fathers, and on us, men who have never given your fathers or you the least provocation. Now, I ask you candidly, was your sufferings under Great Britain one hundredth part as cruel and tyrannical as you have rendered ours under you? Some of the whites are ignorant enough to tell us that we ought to be submissive to them, that they may keep their feet on our throats. And if we do not submit to be beaten to death by them, we are bad creatures and of course must be damned, etc. If any man wishes to hear this doctrine openly preached to us by the American preachers, let him go into the southern and western sections of this country. I do not speak from hearsay. What I have written is what I have seen and heard myself The Americans may be vigilant as they please, but they cannot be vigilant enough for the Lord. Neither can they hide themselves where he will not find them and bring them out.
9: small